Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, a space for the spiritually curious to explore faith in new and meaningful ways. Open your heart and mind and journey with your host, Luke Bricker, into greater spiritual freedom. Okay, so we'll start at, as a child, I was raised Catholic and okay. uh, I'm Cajun, Cajun French, and most of us are Catholics there in Louisiana, in South Louisiana. And I did communion. Um, I had no traumas in the Catholic religion, a little bit of like lowercase t traumas that I call, mm-hmm. you know, just some stuff that happened at catechism when um, I was asked what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I said a priest and <laughs> the nun told me, you can't be a priest. <laughs> and I thought, why not? Yeah. And she, and she said, cause you're a girl. Like it had never occurred to me that I'd only seen male priests. Like that just wasn't a thing. It was like, I want to serve God. So Mm. what better way to do that than to be a priest? I'm going to go all the way up there. Right. That's how I saw it as a child. Yeah. And so there was just like a little, that's a little T traumatizing. And so you, you then go, well, I can only be a nun. I can only go as high up as a nun. I'll never be a priest. Mm. And so, um, that was an odd kind of bag to carry around. But, um, from there, I went to, I um, left left the church and did a lot of, you know, teenage experimenting and a lot, had a lot of fun, but all dark and, you know, ultimately not healthy. And um, after my 20s, I found myself, this is about 13 years ago, I guess, I found myself in a Baptist church mm-hmm. and they were doing baptisms there. And my sister said, I, I'm getting baptized. The whole family's getting baptized. Do you want to get baptized? And I said, okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> so um, I got baptized. I really didn't know what it meant. I really didn't know how it would impact my life, but it did. It made a huge difference uh, in my life. And I never knew that that, like looking back, getting ready for this podcast, I kind of laid everything out. Like how did how did this go, go down? How were things? There was like Mm -hmm. this Baptist church getting baptized was the catalyst for everything else that followed in my faith and my awakening. Yeah. And so that was 13 years ago. And about 11 years ago, I surrendered and my, I'm not going to get into my surrender story because that was over a pile of laundry, which sounds so silly, but I, I well, get, for the record, I love that. I yeah. even you just telling that I'm so intrigued by it. No pressure, obviously, to share no any pressure. yeah uh, what you do or don't want to, but that is super intriguing to me. Right over a pile yeah. of laundry. Yeah, I was brought to my core and my being, and everything opened up, and I surrendered everything over to him. To Can I, I say you, him? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm totally fine with that language and that's part of the whole idea of like reconstruction is being able to be able to even use old language and no other, you know what I mean? Language is just images that help us point to bigger things and and such. So we know that that God is not an actual guy in the sky, you know? Uh, So I'm totally cool with using he. Um, But if you don't mind me asking, like what was some of the dynamic happening in, in your heart or around that season of time? Because to me, 
I'm really interested in stories of people having some sort of surrender experience or uh, any sort of like spiritual transcendent experience in very, what is seemingly mundane and monotonous tasks, because that tells me that there's something else that's really happening uh, that has preceded that moment. Maybe not always, but you know, it's not as common to hear that. It's more common to say I was at a, you know, Hillsong worship thing, you know, like more like you over laundry. There's not any emotional manipulation. There's not a setting that was Mm -hmm. crafted in some room with people in a green room praying for you for to have that experience. Like you're, you're doing life, you know? Yeah. what, what What was around that? Well, so some of that is, you know, I have the at church often when they'd say, come down and, and, and give it over to God and let's claim the faith now in front of everyone. I am an introvert all the way through. Really? I'm extremely, yes. And I'm extremely shy. And I did, I knew I wanted to go up there because I wanted to, to make this calling, but I couldn't get my body to do it. And, um, so I think it was moving before. So good for those people who surrender at a, a Hillsong worship right. and good, good for them, you know, for being so brave. But for me, it took, um, I had a pile of laundry that I, there was, okay. So long story short, I just had my second daughter and she's autistic and she was, I think six months old ish around that time. And um, just when she was starting to have her neurological issues and I was spent, just mm. spent. And there was a pile of laundry that needed to get folded. And I knew that I knew that I didn't have it in me to fold the laundry. It was like I was at my lowest rock bottom point and that I surrendered everything over just saying, Lord, I need you to carry me through this world. I can't do this. I have been doing this by myself since like at 14 was when I went a little wild and did my own thing. It was like, I got this. Don't worry about it, God. Like I got, I got it all figured out now at 14. And um, yeah, I, so it was the, it was the pile of laundry that did it for me. And I just couldn't, I didn't have any more in me on my own. I needed to be carried for a while. And that, that was the prayer. And that was the the moment. And I was a ball of mess, like just crying and I need you in my life. Um, please, please let me in. And, you know, just knocking on the door mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time, by the way, I didn't know the terminology. I didn't even know that was a surrender moment. Yeah, All I yeah. knew was that I didn't want to do life without God at my center anymore. Mm. And um, so from there, weird things started happening. Like um, I got a couple of books. I got an Eckhart Tolle book that said the power of now. Mm -hmm. And while washing dishes, um, he said to run your hands through the water and be present with the water and feel the water. And then it occurred to me, I hadn't felt the water in years. Like mm. since being a kid, cause I was just busy with kids, with my, my kids at this yeah. point, you know, and although you grow and have children of your own, your soul is still so, so young. 
you know, and um, I wasn't extremely wise then. I'd say that too. So mm-hmm. anyway, having that open, open my eyes a little bit to wait, maybe there's something else in this world, or maybe there is a little magic in this world that I, I always thought was there, but just couldn't find it. Yeah. You know, all the other times that I had sought out quote unquote magic things in the world was like as a teenager or after 14, after I, you know, kind of, you know, left prayer life and just went my own way. You know, I looked into things like tarot cards and, um, uh, psychics. Like I went to the psychic in in Houston. And, uh, yeah, this, this guy, they call him uncle. That was such a weird experience anyway. So, um, but I, you know, I had friends that kind of led me in that direction, you know, friends, friends of, you know, no background in faith and, you know, no worship, you know, uh, practice. And I think to some degree, I, you know, where I'm at now with my faith is I think that I was always searching, just seeking. And, mm-hmm. you know, I knew it was there. I just couldn't find the door. And what was so dumb was that I only needed to be still. That was mm. it. That was the whole thing. I just needed to sit and feel the water yeah. one day, yeah. you know, so that, that little, um, break in my armor allowed some light to get in. Mm. And then from there, um, my life just, you know, changed in, you know, such dramatic ways. Like I met my, my, I wasn't married at the time. I had two kids, had never been married. I met my husband soon after that. Um, he and I got married, which I never, I didn't know I was going to do that. Um, we got married and we had, um, we did have a miscarriage. So I'm not saying my whole life was just rainbows and sunshine. Like we had some trials, but, um, after meeting him, I had my son and because of my son, I had a lot of time on my hands and I joined a Bible study. Yeah. And so you were involved in a church already, or did you seek out the Bible study? Like, were were you already involved in a place? So remember I'd gotten baptized, um, in the Baptist tradition in the church, but that was, yeah. So now here I am, I'm in my thirties and I'm, I'm living in Texas now at this point. And I'm, um, attending a Baptist church my husband doesn't like it. He wants to go to a different one. So I start going to a Methodist church with him. He does come to find out he doesn't like this church either, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> I was tired of church hopping. I just wanted someplace to go to pray, you know? Yeah. And, um, this, I was still, I hadn't had a love affair with God yet. I still wasn't there. And I joined a Bible study and they talked about, um, the Christian meditation, the, I forget, Luxina, how do you say Lectio it? Divina. Yes. Yeah, that. yeah. What church and are you talking about? The Methodist Church. My Methodist. Church. Okay, not uh, not the Baptist Church though. I don't no. know the thing. <laughs> okay. No. So I was like, "What? You guys can meditate? I thought that was of the devil. You know, I didn't know we could do that." And then they said, "You know, yeah, it's Christian. You can meditate." And I'm thinking, "Yes," because I, I always wanted to try it. Yeah. But I. I just resisted because I was told it wasn't something you do. Right, right. So I start meditating and everything gets 
wide open. I yeah. mean, I, tell me, talk to me about that. Like well, what was, okay. what was some of the early meditation? Like, did they teach you like just simple mindfulness meditation or like, what was some of the, or was it? So we did this guided meditation. Um, it was through a YouTube video and the lady talked and then she would ask questions and it was like, okay, you're in the courtyard where Jesus is walking through. And um, the images, you know, the lady that touches his robe and gets healed because she had such great faith. And like, Mm -hmm. if you could touch his robe and say one thing to him, what would it be? And the thing I wanted to say with him was, could I go with you? Can Mm -hmm. I go with you? It's like the only, it always chokes me up every time I talk about Mm -hmm. this. But so for me, I wanted nothing more than to be led. And I, I realized that now I didn't realize that then I thought what I was saying was I was unhappy where Mm -hmm. I was maybe, or, you know, I had no idea what any, anything. And this continues to be something about my deconstruction. And if anybody else is like this, I just want you to know it's okay. Um, I will have a question that will linger sometimes for a year even. And then the, when the answer comes, I know instantly what it was talking about. Like I know it in my core and I know it in my, my being and I know exactly what that was. Um, but after I started meditation, um, the church got, so I'm doing, still doing these Bible studies. Well, I start going to like Bible studies with men, Bible studies with older ladies, Bible studies with anybody who had an interesting Bible study. I was doing it. Yeah. So they were, my group of gals, my age, were all doing the same Bible studies together because they were building a network and a relationship. I was building a network and a relationship through the word. So mm-hmm. my, so I was having, my friend was this journey. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I did lose, you know, a lot of friends because they didn't really understand, well, why are you taking Bible study on a Thursday? We meet on Tuesday. You know, it was stuff wow. like <laughs> so funny. The stuff that the the little politics inside of churches. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so funny. And um, so I took a Bible study with some older ladies, and um, they they were like, I said, you know, I hope that you guys can show me some wisdom because you've been through a lot, you know. And they said, this is funny. They said, honey, if we had any wisdom, we've already forgotten it. Because they're like in their 80s. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. I love the Texas thing too. I like, you know, I could just see it in my head, which Texas, by the way, I mean, it's the hot topic right now. Won't go there. I'm in San Diego and in California, everybody's heading to Texas. So, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Mostly Austin. Yep. Yeah. I know, I know. I heard uh, Rogan say on his podcast, don't bring your leftist politics here. Yeah. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, anyway, I, I, yeah. yeah. I, don't, so, I don't get into politics, so yeah, yeah it's not a hot topic Nor do I, me. nor do I. So I'm curious, um, like in those Bible studies, like, because for a lot of people where it gets either A, they get hung up on, or B, uh, you know, they they get, something happens within them where they get into the word, they get into the scriptures, but something then changes whenever it, you know, the old 
cliche of it goes from the head to the heart, right? But it, there really is something that happens there where we go yeah. from understanding something or understanding scripture, and then it the heart becomes awake, and then it becomes a new lens now for the the mind to intake right. the the word. So I'm curious on your journey, and I'm trying to put together too, like where the uh, like the timeline of this is too, like where did it begin to become more, uh, if it's correct me, more of transcendent for you, more, you know, real uh, experiential from just pursuing the Bible studies or were you experiencing that through those Bible studies? No. Uh, well, okay. So I was getting some, some things were happening. So my heart space was opening which at the same time, I, I got into uh, Jordan Peterson quite a bit, and I was reading mm -hmm. his work. And um, he has a personality test on his, on his website, and I took it. And I got in the 90th percentile for politeness, and um, two, a two, not even 2%, a two in compassion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you a Christian? with no compassion yeah. like how does that even happen <laughs> obviously something was not getting through right mm. and so i i did go to a christian counselor um we kind of talked through this and and but so many people were in denial over this like you have compassion i've seen you you know you hope you're a greeter at church for goodness sakes you're right. holding the door open i'm like that's me being polite though mm. and Anyway, so that was happening, but my love affair with the scripture and with God was growing so strong that it was like emitting from me. Mm. Um, people told me it looked like I was glowing and I joke and say I was pregnant because there was no way I was pregnant. Like, no. <laughs> and, um, and they're like, okay, whatever, you know, but I remember being so happy to go to church. Like, so excited and then i get there and everybody was like humdrum like oh right. going to church and then i'm looking around a room of of what felt like zombies and i'm like why are you not so excited we get to <laughs> praise like yeah. don't you understand we get to praise today with yeah. each other and i know it sounds silly and but that was that was something that clued me in like hey something's happening within you like something's different like mm. this doesn't this isn't um what other people are experiencing and but i was also having red flags going up which is part of my deconstruction like i worked the front desk too on the sunday service and they were asking me to sell merchandise one week and i was like i told the girl i said i can't do this and mm. she said, why not? And I said, well, this is the only reason Jesus got mad. Why would I do this? Like, mm. it's literally the only thing we ever see was like him getting mad because they were selling stuff at the temple. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm going to show you. It's in it's scripture. Like, we, we can't do this. I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. But um, anyway, so she did end up and thank, thankfully she did talk to somebody somebody and she found it looked it up and was like yeah she's right like we can't do this mm -hmm. and um the pastor was like no that's about selling sacrificial things things for sacrifice in the bible so okay i had a red flag my feelings didn't 
weren't really, um, they didn't really go away with him saying that that was his interpretation of it versus my interpretation of it. But um, I was okay, like, okay, well, I just ignored that flag. And then one day in Bible study, one of the older ladies was saying how, because we're Christ followers, we get into heaven. And isn't that wonderful? And just started laughing. Mm. And I was breaking on the inside, thinking Mm. that my Muslim neighbor, who had just given me this beautiful basket of all her cultures, religious, uh, um, she was celebrating a holiday, I forget which holiday it was, but I, you know, my heart was shattering, and so, mm. which it always bothered me um, when they would say things like, well, Buddhists aren't going to heaven. They're just right. not. Okay, Jessica, get over it. They're just not. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you even saying right now? Yeah. So that was another red flag that went up. And so I, a lot of things were happening at that time. I actually got diagnosed with breast cancer and that mm came to me prophetically, which will be a, that's a different podcast. This is like oh, man. prophecy and people who have prophetic visions and stuff like that. Like that's a whole nother thing, but I do well, have, we're prophetic- have to talk about that again, by the way, because that's something that's resurfaced in my life as in through my reconstruction. So yeah, I'm, I'm, okay, yes, good. I'm, I'm super interested good. in that. So yeah. So I, I have prophetic dreams. I don't like have prophecy just hanging out with people, but I'll have a dream. Can I, uh, do you, uh, and tell me not, I'm I, no harm, no foul. Can I read your story that you posted about your dreams? <laughs> about, oh, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you say you have like prophetic stuff in dreams. Okay. Yeah. So just, Sometimes just so, profound even. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it was like, uh, you don't mind. I just want listeners. No, to, no, no. Go ahead. It's, so it's this funny. is Jessica's not lying to you, friends. Uh, she says sometimes my dreams are profound. Am I clicking here? Whoops. I don't know. Uh, sometimes my dreams are profound, like soaring through the cosmos with the realization that I could do this all the time if I wanted. Yet other times, like last night, I dreamt I was in love with a man who had butter tortilla hands. And I used a pizza cutter to give him fingers and we laughed at dumb jokes while we waited for something. I forget what. Waiting myself up laughing, uh, laughing even harder, which I remember now. Okay. Yeah. That is hysterical. <laughs> I I read that and legitimately <laughs> laughed out loud. I was like, but so if you can't, like, so did that start happening as you were going through this sort of awakening like is that something that was always there or a a gift you feel like it's been deposited yeah so it was a gift that it's been deposited but it's hereditary my uh in the cajun tradition we have people that are called treaters or they call them treaters in french but the treater and my grandmother was one of these women and she would treat for heat stroke because in the day, that was very important. We worked in, on a farm and we had a garden. And my dad would bring us, um, all our food came from the garden. So my dad would bring us over to my grandma's house to get treated. But she would essentially lay hands on us. And she would say the Lord's Prayer in French over mm. us. And wow. that's what was happening. And I, I didn't know that till I was older, what she was doing. I thought she was putting magic spells on it. I had no <laughs> idea what was happening. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know the words for anything. And so, um, 
so it's that is passed on to each middle daughter it's you're supposed to be the treater of the family and um i'm the middle daughter so mm. of my mom of my mo mother's children of my yeah so but my grandmother had alzheimer's and gave her prayers her treater prayers over to my aunt who is her middle daughter and then my aunt gave them to my brother so I tease him and say, he's the middle daughter now, <laughs> but laying hands and praying and, um, that those types of things aren't foreign to me. Yeah. And, um, it's not foreign in a lot of cultures, honestly, these things are. Yeah. So was that reawakened in some way as of, you said 11 years, 13 years that you've been, or, or was that even in the time prior to that? Like I'm, I'm prior. curious, really? So it's had, always yeah. been there. It's always been there, but it, I didn't um, know what it was called or why I did it. And honestly, when I was past four, the age of 14, the only way I would do it, and it would only, it would come over me in my waking time, but if I had alcohol, like if I mm -hmm. were drinking and I would just start telling people stuff sometimes. And um, like this happened to me recently, I went to a party, you know, and I, I had had a couple of glasses of wine, which I know you're not supposed to do. Only one glass, but right. I'd had more than one. I don't know where you found that to... rule because I don't listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking to someone and um, he's precious. He's my sister's friend and he's he wears like um, super thick eyelashes and he was giving me some of his, his um, perfume. Anyway, we were chatting and as he's talking to me, I said, wait, did you get that from your grandmother? And he goes, what? And I said, did your grandma, she raised you? And he was like, wait, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like, cause it came on to me as like, yeah. this is factual. This is just something I know about you. Yeah. And, um, but me mentioning it scared him a little bit, but stuff like that'll happen. If I'm drinking, I'll say, weird stuff like that where people are like hold up wait what but yeah. i don't i don't i try not to label that because i don't i i'm the more i think about that i think the only reason that that happens is because my brain is shut off a little bit like i'm not overthinking mm. just like when i'm asleep my my brain the part of the logical side of me is not overthinking and i'm not because I do have a tendency to overthink and not relax in the moment yeah. unless I'm trying to, you know, right. but, um, the, the prophecy thing, um, with my breast cancer was the dream that I had. Um, but I also had a kid say to say to my son, um, he said, miss Jessica has breast cancer. He said that to my son and I overheard, really? And my entire body tightened and I mm. was angry. It wasn't really angry. It wasn't, isn't the right word, but like I had an energy and a physical response to that. Yeah, so that yeah. was like the second time. So I'd had this dream about snakes. It was, you know, eight snakes and my neighbor took the head off of the snake and said, it can't hurt you anymore. Um, and then when I, you know, realized that one in eight women get breast cancer, that snake being the breast cancer and the, anyway that dream wow. made a lot more sense to me and then the third time i heard 
breast cancer was we were putting together our vision boards for the year my, at my friend's house. It's her thing. She wanted to do it. So I just went along because I love her. And um, I was going through a magazine and I couldn't really find anything. So, But I'm looking and then I saw a Susan G. Coleman ad that said, just because you can't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. And because of the, the little boy who who said that to my son and then my dream I had that night the night before had checked and I'm like I don't have anything I don't have a lump I'm fine like Jessica your mind you're overthinking again and and that's what that ad said just because you you can't feel it doesn't mean it's not there and so Mm. I said oh heck that's something so I made an appointment sure enough I had it and I was meditating every day um, at, at that time, you know, I don't think I would have gotten the messages had I not been meditating, Mm. um, as much as I was, I honestly don't. I think something about meditation puts you in connection, um, to a higher source. Totally. That's it. That's all I can say about that. And, um, anyway, I got, I got checked and I went, the first doctor I went to, I told my husband, I said, I don't feel God here. And he said, okay, we don't have to stay. And I'm like, all right. Cause he knows like, yeah. if I don't, if I'm not comfortable, I'm not staying. So we left and then. I love that um, intuition that you have, by the way, about that. Like following well, that's important. So, you know, Richard Rohr has a theory about intuition and in our heart space, when we reach our second half of life, it's our intuition that we, that gets stronger. And that's the part that we're supposed to rely on. And that's a Carl Jung thing. Yes. That comes from Carl Jung. Yep. So, um, anyway, so I, I was getting messages to do nothing, to do, to do nothing. Um, and I'm like, what the heck is that? So I reached out to my pastor and I said, I, I know God told me to do nothing. I don't know what to do. Um, can me and my husband come in and just talk to you about this? Because I really could use some spiritual guidance. And he said, if you're getting a message to do nothing, it's the devil. It isn't <laughs> God. Go to a doctor. And like, basically that. Wow. And, but I mean, probably a little more um, <laughs> elegant than the way I'm saying it. But it sure. hit me that way. Yeah, yeah. So it, it hurt. It hurt my feelings, but then come to find out, do nothing was all I needed to do. Yeah, I literally did nothing. Someone sent me a message, a random stranger, who said, "Hey, I know a friend of yours who said you have cancer, but I live up the road from you, and I had cancer, and it was this type, this type, this type, exactly the kind I ended up having, really? which I didn't even know what kind I had at that point." Um, exactly the stage that I had, which I didn't know I had stage zero at that point. Um, I didn't know any of that. And she said, this is the doctor I used. I really liked her. So I called, made an appointment, went to see her. She said, do you mind if I pray with you? Shut the door right there. Wow. You're my doctor. Yeah. We're proceeding. Let's do this. And then she told me I had stage zero and it was ductal. And it wasn't the kind that you would have felt at the lump. It doesn't mm. make a lump. It's inside the ducts. So that that magazine picture was 100% right. It was like, just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. And, you know, they must have thought I was a lunatic when I got my, my uh, medical results. And they're like, hey, you have cancer. I'm like, okay, thank you. 
y'all have a good day. Yeah. Whatever. Cause I had already processed it. Yeah. It had been yeah. weeks. Yeah. He already told me I had it when he had me go, you yeah. know? So I didn't, you know, so they, they were like, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. They don't, they're not used to that response. <laughs> no, they were probably like, thank goodness. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, so that was, um, that, upset me with the church, you know, and I felt like, Oh man, you know, what do I, I don't have an elder to go to, even though mm. I'm in these Bible studies with older people who have forgotten all their wisdom. Right. <laughs> and I can't, <laughs> I can't ask my pastor anything because he doesn't want to deal with me. And so I was just really lost during that time. And, um, come to find out my poor pastor, poor thing, he was struggling. His, his life was falling apart. His mm. marriage was breaking up over lies that he had, had told and um, things caught up to him finally. And he had founded that church and he ended up leaving the church a few, not, not very long after this whole situation. So oh, wow. he, he couldn't help me because he was not in any position to help anyone else. His cup was empty. Yeah. And so Anyway, when he started leaving the church, a lot of people were leaving the church and they were asking if I was going to leave the church. And um, I was like thinking about it, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to leave the church. Maybe I should go check out some other churches. I, I didn't really search too, too hard and, you know, that kind of thing. And my daughter was who had just gotten diagnosed with autism. She's 11. She was 11. Then we um, went to the mall. And we were waiting for her appointment. We had extra time because I, I always arrive early. And there was a guy there doing a, a pot, like a podcast sermon. Hmm. And I said, let's listen to him for a second. And his whole sermon was, don't forget the blessings of the church. Hmm. And he just kept saying that over and over. And I immediately, this is, this is the point where my heart space is just so open. I cry at a drop of a hat. Like mm. every time God talks to me, I just start crying. Like you can't even, <laughs> you can't even deal with me at this point. Like as soon as God talks, I'm done. I'm a puddle. Bye. Yeah. You know? So, and I'm not a crier. Like growing up, I'm, you know, pretty strong. I'm just not a crier. I don't even watch sappy love shows. And I'm, you know, I joke that I'm more of a dude. I am. I do woodworking i'd prefer to watch woodworking videos yeah. than, than you know this is us you know so i just don't i i wasn't like that before which mm. lends to the part of me not being very compassionate that makes mm. sense like if that heart space isn't open you're not going to be truly compassionate yeah. you might think that what you're doing is compassion but it isn't mm. and um so I, he said, you know, don't forget the blessings of the church. And I'm like, okay, I'll keep going to church. And one day um, after service, my friend was like, let's go get free food. The women's group is giving free food. And I don't associate with the groups that much because, again, I'm an introvert. I don't really go to these things. And I said, okay, well, I'll go with you. Since she and I led a Bible study together, we were, like, already a part of the, the women's group. So we go and get food and we're walking out and there is a man who walks up to me as we're leaving to go home and he has no shoes on. He's bleeding. He's covered in, he's got blood all over him. Mm. Um, his shirt is kind of ripped. He looks, he looks awful. And I said, are you okay? And he said, these were his words. 
I know y'all told me to leave, but I truly don't have anywhere to go. And I really need some help. And he just starts crying. And I'm in my Sunday, Sunday clothes, you know, so I, I, I look in juxtaposition of him and the way that he looked, it must have looked so odd. You know, I look at it like from an artist's eye, like how that must have looked. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, no, you know, because I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I immediately go into, who told you that? Like, yeah. And so I bring him inside, like I'm dragging him inside. And I'm like, who, show me who told you that. That's not who we are, you know? And um, so we go in and we find that it was the security guard had told him that there was nothing we could do, you know, he said. And then he tells me, we don't have any policies for stuff like this. We don't have policies in place. I said, that's a hospital next door. People are going to come here for help. We need to institute some, some policies. So, I mean, long story short, the guy had, his name was Brent. He had went on a bender. He was a recovering alcoholic. He had a bad moment in time. He ended up getting robbed, beaten up, and drugged to Cypress, Texas, and he's from another area of town. And he just needed a ride to his sponsor's house, which is the story he told me. And I believe him. I mean, why would he lie? And... So he said, I don't have my car. They stole my car. They stole my wallet. They stole my phone. I don't have any way to get home. And I was like, let me call you an Uber. Like, how hard is that? So that was all that happened with Brent. And um, from there, I just started, began the even further deconstruction. Because Mm -hmm. I'm like, are we reading the same book? Yeah, Yeah. And I'd go to the other Bible study leaders. The the women's group was meeting that Sunday. And so I asked them, and this one lady took me aside. She actually uh, has been very helpful to me in my faith. And she took me aside and said, hey, this has happened to me at church too, Mm. a couple of times. And she said, so what we did was we helped personally. Like she said, me and my husband like brought the girl to a hotel, put her up and made sure her family came together and like this, some things that had happened. And so, um, I actually talked to the women's group and they were supposed to have set up policies for this type of thing. Whether or not they did, I'm not sure with COVID it's been such a cluster. Like we haven't been able to go and attend church and, you know, I'm still, I'm still able to go to church and I use it as time of worship and we have a new pastor. Now our pastor is, um, unique in a sense that he actually preaches from the pulpit barefoot because he said he wants to be more grounded and mm-hmm. connected and i think that's kind of cool like how is that being, re- i mean because even using yeah how, well. <laughs> right because that language in church and that's kind of what i want to ask you about too is like you know I, I was on staff at a church my dad's church and um supposed to be the successor of that and everything. And so I, I remember just being on staff or even like being the pastor on duty for a day. Like Thursdays were my pastor on duty days, pod days. And we would have all sorts of people come through and you were the guy that had to, or we had like, I mean, I come from a church tradition that ordains women too. So myself, you were the guy or the lady that would take care of it. And so I have had plenty of folks like that stroll through and 
we have people in the church that step up and help and that take ownership like you. And it's amazing. But then there's a whole nother level of that when people start to take ownership over uh, like their own theology and their own practice and in spirituality. Like there's like two types of independent folks. It seems like in church, it's like either a, the people that like rise to the occasion to like put people up in hotel. And then the other people that like, question and and really take autonomy in theology that may not exactly mirror where it's at but they find community there and it sounds like you have a little bit of both of that uh going on and yeah i'm curious how some of your spiritual experience your deconstruction and then ultimately too like any sort of like reconstructed sort of faith that's something that i really want to get people's uh, opinion on because a lot of people deconstruct from faith and they don't even stick into church like what how you have been uh, still willing and able to kind of, you know, read between the lines, if you will. Some people just, it's, that's it, whatever Christianity's done. And, and that's kind of the route I went for a while um, mm-hmm. and then found myself back into faith and, and even embracing the term Christianity and now church planting again and doing all this stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious how that's been, uh, received, but also too, like, so have you connected with this pastor in a, a new and refreshed way? Like, and what was, how did it be that they are able to incorporate that? Like, is the church taking a, a, a shift at large because people are using language like grounded from the pulpit, you know, like how is all of that and right. your influence in shaping the culture of your church experience? The Spiritual Nomad Podcast is a ministry of Current Collective Church, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to holding space to experience the divine in healing and transformative ways that enable us to live into the fullness of a truly abundant life. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a tax-deductible donation to support our ongoing effort to reimagine spiritual community. Visit thespiritualnomad.org slash give to contribute today. Thank you for your support and partnership. Right, so that church is so unique. Um, I would say even the pastor before, he would have us do a moment of meditation for a while. Yeah, so he was moving. Is this still the Methodist church? The Methodist, the same okay. Methodist church. Okay. Odd, just odd. We're supposed to have a group of elders on stage and they kind of give us their opinions differently. But the way this church, um, it was just the one pastor and then um, they had a guy un- coming up under him. Mm-hmm. And so now we have the new pastor who takes his shoes off. And my, I have a friend who's 86. Her ancestors are Sam Houston. She mm. does not like it at <laughs> all. she just can't get over that and does not care for that and wishes he would present himself better and I understand her side too um because I come from a Catholic tradition I understand that the reverence behind it should be there also Mm -hmm. like understand that you should uh, humble yourself when you come through these doors and like present yourself to God in a humble way and um not lowly way, like, not Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm so poor and 
humble, but that, right. but humble yourself and that you're, you're nothing without God. Yeah. That reference. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the word. And so I understand where she comes from. And then, and this new pastor that we have, he just, he does his best to speak to first, first starting out Christians and the older Christians. He really does try to incorporate both um, part, you know, parts of your life, but he, you just can't. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. You're a pastor, so you just can't speak to both. Okay, think about Jesus, the way he had to speak in parables. Right. Because it could it hits you on the level where your ears can hear mm-hmm. and where where your brain can take it in and where your heart space is open enough to, to get it. Yeah. And so when I read scripture from like a psychological uh, level, like when I look at the scripture that way, or if I look at the scripture from a philosophical level, it's all different. And it all comes in through the filter of a different perspective. Like you could hear something like, don't give pearls to pigs. And then you think that that means I'm not going to talk to right. a certain type of people, yep. you know? So that that's one way of hearing it. And then there is another way of hearing it, you know? Yeah. So, or there's several, honestly. So like, as you, as you reconstruct, you start to realize that, you know, it's like when it says, don't grow weary doing good deeds. I used to think that that meant don't go, don't get weary, you know, doing Bible studies, which it certainly did mean that for me for a long time. But now when I hear don't grow weary doing good deeds, the good deeds are, is the work, the path, stay the path. Yes, and so yes. um, that changed, you know. So the the information is di- the same. It's the same words. It's just it's coming through to a deeper level of the soul. It's less superficial. Mm-hmm. And I think for us as deconstructors, you can't forget the blessings of the church. You mm. just yeah. Can you talk was, more about that? Like how that's been made like tangible for you? Because I think that's a lot of people there. They, they do struggle with that. They do struggle with, and it's natural when we feel hurt in some way to only, mm-hmm. to only associate like Richard Rohr talks about the, uh, the neuroscience behind negative and positive, you know, how like negative things are more like uh, Velcro, you know, and uh, positive things. They're, they're actually more like slippery in the mind. So that's why you have to be, you have to hold it in your mind for 10 seconds for it to actually get into the fabric, but negative things are stick on. And I think people's bad experiences, like a lot of folks just with the experience that you had with uh, having to sell things at the table, boom, people would have been done and gone and hurt for a long time. But you have, it sounds like you have a a particular resilience, not to discount the folks that maybe have been hurt in that, that sort of way, but um, yeah. Sorry. Yes. yes. Trauma with a capital T versus trauma with a small T, you know? So if you've been traumatized by the church with a capital T, like something terrible has happened to you, like coming from a Catholic uh, perspective and uh, I have a gay daughter, you Mm -hmm. know, I've had, I, it's difficult for me to understand hateful things at a church level. But I think the Brent experience when he showed up without shoes on and I was the only one who could see him mm. and I was the only one willing to help him. And cause literally my friend came out with me. She never saw him. She's like, I went out the same time you did. How come I didn't see him? It's a question she's asked herself 
as a follower, like, God, why didn't you present him to me? I would have helped him, you know, mm. in that kind of, kind of space too. So um, I think contemplation is important. And that, that was the first thing I said when we were talking, you know, you, you can contemplate something and not have an answer for it for years even yeah, or, yeah. or weeks. And then sometimes someone will tell you something and you know, it's not meant for you. And then weeks later, someone will mention it and you're like, ah, that was for them. That's yeah. why that person told me that. And then you can give them the scripture and lead them to the answer of why that was mentioned to you in the first place. Yeah. And so um, the blessings of the church thing for me, you know, I, uh, he was, God was right when he said it the way he said it, because without the church, without a place to go to even hear scripture daily and to, to build a discipline, mm. um, which I think is so important in your faith journey, a discipline of any yes. kind, discipline yes. of meditation, a discipline of being in the word. And for me, that started with a discipline of going to church every Sunday, no matter what church it was, no matter if I was traveling, where, who I was with, I went to church every single Sunday for years. And so, um, that discipline brought me um, a, a heart on fire mm. and you can't run away from a heart on fire. Mm, um, yeah. You just, you will never. So there is a, what's his name? Jen, Fen Tim Finley. Is that the, the guy's name that's doing the study? Um, do you, do you uh, listen to that podcast? The, um, what is it? The, the, uh, oh shoot. I have it written down here too. The somewhere. turning to the mystics one. Yes. Yeah. Turning to the mystics. Uh -huh. They're doing the ter Teresa. Of, um, Avila. Avila. Yes. Yes. Her, her book on the different castles. And so it's all just different stages in our spiritual development. And so without the church, I would have looked at that picture of Jesus holding, you know, with the heart open. Yeah with the flames shooting from it from the Catholic perspective, like, Oh, that's just Jesus. That's his heart for people, you know? And that's not it. Like, yeah. I know what that means now. Mm. Like that means something very different to me now. Yeah. And because I had my heart just out and mm. on fire and exposed um, for months and months and months. And when Brent, when that happened to Brent, when I realized that the church that I attended, no one wanted to help him, it broke me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say that, that that wouldn't have turned people away. My husband even said, I, I, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you left the church and went somewhere else. And, you know, but I have a really, really weird church. Like there's a, a guy in my Sunday school, his name is Rob. And he just like a couple weeks ago gave me a Ram Dass book. I'm like, dude, I love really? Ramdas. Like that's so yeah. awesome. So how? Okay. So in reconstructing faith, where did you get to the point where you were able to? Have you always been open to just reading that from any? Because I, I did another conversation this morning with a friend who, um, new friend, I, he responded as well, and just like there comes to a point where you then like give yourself permission to be able to read the things and do the yeah. things that you were not supposed to do or that were mm -hmm. um taboo you know like was that ever taboo for you or where at what point were you able to read from different perspectives while still holding a, a christian lens 
So taboo isn't the word. Uh, the word is scared to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scared yeah. to death. Yeah. Um, so I got to a point where I was so afraid, but then, you know, you, you listen to Christian songs and they're saying, um, fear is a liar. And so yeah. like these things all seep in. And so I'm like, okay, God, if fear is a liar and I, I'm fearful to listen to Muji and do a med- guided meditation with Muji. I love Muji. So Muji's awesome. the best. Yeah, it's right? this like Jamaican guy that lives in France or whatever, or Spain, or I don't know where he's at. Spain, but. Like Dominican Republic. Yeah, yes. no, he's, why would I be scared to listen to him? But I was. There's also this other guy, he's Canadian. He's got a YouTube uh, channel called Enlighten or Enlightenment. And he's got Tibetan throat singing at the beginning of his, his, uh, <laughs> YouTube videos. Really? And I'm like, ooh, I can't <laughs> listen to this guy because I don't know what they're saying. They might be planting some, you know, planting some seeds in there. Yeah. So fearful. Fearful, fearful, fearful everywhere yeah. I went. Yeah. And um, so no, I wasn't open to reading Ram Das and but um I also realized in those broken moments of the church that I was with a bunch of broken people, you know? Mm. And I needed to listen and follow people who had gone on the journey before me Mm. and I wasn't going to find it at my church. I just wasn't, you know? And, um, so I sought out spiritual teachers. The first time I heard the word mystic turning to the mystics. And if you ever listen to this podcast, they're the most gentle, precious people in the world. I know. Yes. I was terrified, terrified. That the how word long mystic. ago is this that, 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 that where you're like the term mist like how long ago i'm curious i don't know i don't know but it was okay i don't remember maybe a year maybe two okay i don't know the time is but so what was you know, that like approaching that language um now okay so approaching it was scary i had to surrender so the yeah. whole thing is a surrendering it's a process right the process is surrender learn um, practice and then a death of something and then the surrender the learning the practice and the death of something it's like over and over and over again and I think I've always been able to spot little patterns like that in my life and so I just started to realize hold up I'm I'm in this stage so if I give this up then I can move forward and be in this stage and sometimes I'm in a desert for a really long time like I'm in the middle of one of my deserts and um, that's what I call like the, the stage of learning where mm-hmm. I'm just getting information from a bunch of different sources and I'm filtering it out like what is uh, valuable and what isn't. Yes. And that's the whole idea of like this spiritual nomad thing that I started years ago is because it's like, that's what it felt like, you know, like I'm just nomading in a desert place mm-hmm. and wh- whoever I think might have some wisdom, I'll pull that in filter mm-hmm. through it, see what sticks. And, um, and, and a, a big part of that too is, you know, Jesus says that the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Mm-hmm. And I remember having conversations with my dad about some of this and he was definitely felt like I was on a major slippery slope, you know? I'm like, well, the slippery slopes are so much fun. You ever been skiing before? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's a great time, you know? Uh, and so it's just through that learning and exploring and, and on a slippery slope, uh, you, you have to, 
you begin to filter through all of that and you begin to see like what what is if God, if G, if i trust that the holy spirit is alive and well and leading and guiding then that is going to be the thing that i have to follow and pursue regardless if it seems weird or has you know singing bowls or not or whatever. like i just yeah. have to follow that and if i'm going to be true to be a christian I got to listen to the words of Jesus and Jesus told me to trust the spirit of truth. That's going to lead me into all truth. And, uh, but, and that's what sparked these whole conversations that I'm doing is I followed a, a uh, cool trendy pastor who is basically telling people that who are deconstruction or ex evangelical people that they're, you know, uh, that it's a result of poor discipleship, you know, or is something, you know, and it's like, I'm just like, man, I, have to have conversations with people um, and just have as many people on to show that like deconstruction is not a result of bad discipleship at all. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually people who are some of the most genuine people of faith I've ever met that because they want to explore, they want to be curious and to follow uh, Jesus in ways that are uh, not just nodding and agreeing and showing up to Bible studies for the cupcakes. You know what I'm saying? Like that's right. at least, you know, whenever I was a youth pastor, that's how we got them there, you know, or pizza, you know, like <laughs> pizza, uh, pizza on Wednesdays. Yeah. Always pizza. I, yeah. So, I mean, you're right. And I think about the apostles and how, when Jesus greeted them and were like, Hey, follow me there. Some of them dropped what they were doing and went right. Others were like, bruh, hold up. Yep. <laughs> like I got stuff to do. Like, busy like what's going on or what's this about you know and I often I could you know I could see myself in parts of the Bible as I was learning it like I could see myself as Pharaoh saying no I'm not gonna let this go I'm gonna hold on to this until frogs you know are draining down on me and I don't care I'm still gonna hold on to this right you know so like I could see myself in different people at the Bible and it wasn't until the day that I saw myself as Jesus that I was completely convinced I was on the right path. It Mm. really, truly, I wasn't sure. Mm. I was always, I knew that I was um, experiencing something different. I knew that my heart was opening. I knew that because I, so what happened there was I went to one of those spiritual places had opened up in our, in our little bubble that we live in, in our town. And they sell smudge sticks and tarot cards and, you know, all this stuff. I brought with me a book by Richard Rohr. And I said, I would like to teach this book here. I would like to do a Bible study here with this book being the basis of it. So we can talk about, you know, some of the magic that's in the world that's out there. And don't you ever use the word magic around Christian people because they do not like that. No, they don't. But this woman, (laughs) this woman is open to that. So I knew I could speak her language and I knew that I could get through to her and and head off teenagers who maybe were going to try to use their own power of discernment as opposed to relying on the universal power of discernment and going the path that I've, I've since learned to be true. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so I knew I could head them off in, in a way. And um, anyway, she was open to it. And I was like, great. So I posted on my Facebook, hey, we're going to do a Bible study of the scripture roar, universal Christ come to, you know, and my church flipped out. Really? They were like, we have a problem. We need to make sure you're okay. 
we need to have a talk and just make sure everything's okay. You know, I think they were concerned. It's the name of the store is like new, new age or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they they have stuff about chakras, which I don't, that doesn't bother me. Like none of that stuff bothers me. I don't understand. I do some of the, some of the like witchcraft stuff I get a little icked out about because I'm like, well, whose power are you relying on? Like Uh when it comes to that, but, um, I, so my church was a little, they were freaked out and I felt like I was in trouble and I have gotten a finger wag because of it. So I know what you're saying where, where it's very difficult because there's terminology you can't use. Like one day in Sunday school, I said, Oh, so he hallucinated an angel and now we're supposed to go with this thinking. And then they're like, he didn't hallucinate. That was a vision. I'm like, (laughs) okay, I'm sorry. A vision. He had a vision. Sure. I'm like (laughs) potato, potato. Right. But, um, but to some people, and I've since learned that to, to go with grace in these situations, because you don't, you don't need to use that terminology if it's going to freak somebody out, you know? Um, so I think, you know, if you, if you go and approach your dad or, or have you learned that too, how to approach people? Yeah. That's something that I really had to learn. Um, I really had to understand how to have patience, how to uh, move in peace, how to seek, um, try to peace. find, yeah, yeah. Being a yeah. person of peace, I think is, yeah. is some of the most, and a lot of these conversations, just thinking about um, incorporating Jesus into a, a reconstructed faith, you know, uh, it, I've really, what brought me back in a lot of ways, there's a, a lot of things, but one main one is, the simplicity of Jesus teachings and values that are actually wildly complex and take a a lifetime to, to really try to, to model, you know, and to follow, you know, whenever I was really into just theology and getting all my doctrines in order and everything like, like, yeah, okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Fine. What about this? Or that, you know, now it's like, the simple thing. Love your neighbor as your, yes, right. yes. Like, like what does like, that huge. mean? Right. So you huge. know, like, right. or like the, you know, came into the world, not to condemn the world. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So wow. Like it's the simple value systems. And, and that is, I think universally true for religions is that they, the, the simple truths of them are the most difficult and the hardest. And it's actually easier to get in the intricate details of difference you know, that's a much so, lower hanging fruit. Yeah. So Neil deGrasse Tyson has a masterclass on masterclass and I just watched it. And he said that wisdom is, um, is just like the condensed version of the truth without the details. Mm. And so I'm like, you're right. It is. There's no details. Like if you li- listen to some of the stuff Jesus says, it's, like the uh, mustard seed and then then you learn little details you're like oh well the mustard seed's the biggest plant in the in in the garden like it makes the biggest plant and that's what Churchill tell you but then when you start waking or or leaning into your spirit there are so many other things that he said in that just tiny little example about um so like i'll give you an an example of that 
is with my daughter having autism there. Have you seen a picture of a neuron? It looks yeah. like a tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we wear that as our crosses now, like, cause Jesus died on a tree. The idea that he would even, you know, be put on a tree is just crazy to me. You know, yeah. like they could have just killed him so fast. Um, the procession being like a King's procession. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me too. Um, and like crazy in a good way, the things that yeah. spark curiosity, you know, like, wait, they, he really did have a King's procession through town. And yeah. then, um, yeah, they could have just killed him. Like, why did they put him on a tree? And why were there other two other people there? Like a symbol of a yes person and a symbol of a no person. And yeah. then, um, so I think the Bible in itself, I can never get rid of because it's so nuanced on so many levels. Like, Sometimes I even think that there's some science hidden in there that we haven't even found yet. Like I was reading something in Job and it said, do you know the measuring string that I use to measure the earth? And I'm thinking string theory. And then he said, do you know what the cornerstone of those are? And I'm thinking, no, we haven't figured out (laughs) that yet. You know? (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So when I got String theory is so rad too, by the way. But... Yes. Like when I got curious, it was because of stuff like that, you know, and uh, the other thing Neil deGrasse Tyson said was to um, spark curiosity in people. So not only come to them with grace, but if we can spark a curiosity in them, Mm. like um, these kids that are into uh, doing tarot cards and all of the astrology or whatever. Oracle cards. And yeah. 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 If I could spark their curiosity from that level like let me tell you you could be possibly prophetic maybe you could astroplane maybe yeah. you know like all the things ramdas talked about right like, have you checked out this guy like he's yeah. talking about some you know these are things that they just haven't been introduced to them and from the church's perspective we haven't done a good job talking to our our young kids because they are being told uh about wicca and they're being told about, um, you know, all those things that I mentioned before. And I'm not trying to put like smudging your house in the same, same group as that. Cause I did mention that before. And I know that's an ancient tradition and that is a form of prayer. And that, yeah. I don't have any, any problems with that. Um, I just think that the path of giving it up to a higher power is the true path. Yeah, and totally. being able to surrender. And, you know, sometimes like I've, I've told my nieces when they've had one of my nieces, when she's like, I just can't do it all by myself. I was like, honey, Jesus didn't even carry the cross all by himself. Like, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't have to. And she's like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, look it up. Yeah. And so then they're like, Whoa. that's so good. That's so good. And people need, like, we were talking about, I was talking with a friend yesterday about some of this stuff and about, how we, we put so much weight on ourselves to have to figure it out or to be perfect or to do all of these things. And we forget. And I think it's the, the over glorification of trying to be perfect. And we have this sort of like Greco Roman influence. That's like, everything is mm-hmm. supposed to be perfect. And you know, these statues of perfection and all of this and yeah. the modern day statue of perfection is Instagram and filters, <laughs> and you know, Filter. all this stuff. And we feel that sort of weight and it's a sort of weight to be. And I think that we do have divinity within us, but the the higher divinity that we submit to, 
it's us trying to be in that space and it's a weight that's really crushing and the church kind of perpetuates some of that in a way because yeah. we just we we don't allow people to have their own personal expressions or forms and we have very rigorous like there's this unspoken rule in law like you can't talk about Ramdas in church. Are you crazy? In, in the same way that like social media influencers have their, you know, unspoken rules of what is perfect and what is uh, uh, best practices, the church does too. And I think it's like a lot of deconstruction and reconstruction is like, well, what can we implement as being normal, quote, best practices for people to have real, true faith, real, true, like a sense of, of, knowing that they are in tune with the father. I know. So once again, I have to like pull myself out of using that sort of language, but Jesus says, I only can see what my father in heaven is doing. How are, what avenues are we giving people? Like what you're saying, you could be a prophetic person. You know, you could be in tune with the infinite father and what's happening Mm -hmm. in this. If we'll just have a discipline and practice in this way, you know? Yeah. So right. I'm excited Discipline. to see what, what yeah. this looks like in the future. I'm excited to see people like yourself who are grounded in a church, but yet pressing forward on other opportunities for people to understand who they are in God. Uh, we need that really bad. Yeah. You know, right. we don't do good at it in Western church, you know? No, we don't. We don't let people be who they're going to be. And so then the pendulum swings up in opposition to a, a hard opposition. And then they don't even know who they are at some point. Right. Um, what do you do just, in that? You know, like, uh, so as we wrap up some, like, I'm curious, like, what do you, what do you, what words do you tell people that are in a sort of deconstruction or that are in a place of identity loss? You know, yeah. like what, from your experience, like what's some of the ways that you've learned that through yourself or through people that you've been, you know, walking with, you know? Okay. That is like the million dollar question. That's <laughs> a, that's a daily journey, you know, like, um, my identity as a female, for instance, like, uh, I stopped dyeing my hair and now I have my gray hairs coming out very hard to do in this mm-hmm. society. Um, you don't think that's hard, but you realize that that was an identity, a false identity that I was presenting to the world that I, I, I had my fake eyelashes on, you know, because my hair's falling out. Like, mm. you know, so as a woman, our identity is in our outwardly beauty, but as my inwardly beauty is growing, I'm able to get rid of some of the things that I used to identify myself as. Mm. And, um, you know, one of them being someone with really nice hair or, you know, that is something for women. Um, but I think for, honestly, there's no answer for that. Like, what mm-hmm. do you do for people who are struggling with an identity crisis? I just say the spirit, what is this, you know, like, like Muji says, when you look on the inside, looking at the person asking the question. So the person looking at the person asking the question, what does that person's hair look like? Mm. Or um, does that person need to present themselves in this way? And it's like, no, that person doesn't because that's the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're walking in the spirit, the identity doesn't matter very much. 
Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. an everyday thing. That's a, that's part of the, that's staying the path. Like you can't grow weary. Yes. Yes. And it's a narrow path. I think that's another like a uh, thing that's been skewed in so much uh, in so many ways, like a, a narrow path is something that it's, it's difficult. It's, it's something that is hard to walk and the spiritual path is, we're not talking about people who have raised their hands, you know, at church services, you know, who are on the narrow path. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a path means a, something that you are walking on, you know, it's not yeah. something that you've arrived to people forget about that. So to walk a narrow path takes a level of awareness, consciousness, uh, yeah, it's trust. a decision every day, every day. It's the, yes. to make the decision to walk the path. Yes, the and intentionality. To shed identity. Yes, yes, and the ego always wants to come in and distort that, change that, and that's where I think the flesh and the spirit, as Paul would talk about it, it's this trying to um, navigate that on a daily basis. I think is is so crucial, and for people that are reconstructing their faith in some way, mm-hmm. I think it's. A, like to me, like the reason that we wanted to start a church again is to me, like holding a space, like what you, that gentleman was saying and about the the benefits of the church, you know, it's like there, that's where I've met and encountered the living presence of God, uh, obviously in other places too, but I was introduced to it largely in those sort of settings in worship settings and times of stillnesses. And, you know, luckily the the church tradition that I come from, the guy that, started well that really founded it was a quaker before that which is all about silence and sitting and yeah yeah and all of that so that's a very much in flow with with my where i'm ordained you know is stillness quietness worship all of this stuff but yeah people have to engage and encounter the spirit of the living god in some way i think in order to reconstruct a faith and and that could be me projecting that's what it's been for me um, the way that I've reconstructed and reoriented my life with Jesus is Jesus is familiar. Um, I can, I see him in new lens and new ways. Uh, but more so than anything, it's the spirit of God that brings illumination and it, it brings a sort of uh, devotion, you know, it, just yeah. memorizing the verses and getting the doctrines and doing the stuff yeah. doesn't hold weight. It, it's the spirit of the living God that, that yeah. makes things alive, you know? And so, and yeah. To talk to you just real quick, I know we probably need to wrap up, but um, you think about John the Baptist being born, having the spirit already upon him. And yeah. then you think about Jesus having the spirit come upon him later at the baptism with John the Baptist. And then you, when you, when you sit with that for a while, you realize that it was because he had to know what it would be like to, live without the spirit upon you and live with the spirit upon you mm. and the differences that that would make in order for him to, you know, proceed like John the Baptist born with it. It says yeah. it, you know, he was already born with it. Could you imagine already being born with it? Yeah. Well, yeah. that would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Cause we right. wouldn't have had so many problems, you know, yeah. Keeping our, That's keeping a really our interesting, on the that is a really interesting point. So what I think I hear you saying is like Jesus knew what life was like. And, and this is something I talk to people a lot about is the over deification of Jesus. Like in our world, like we, 
we say, you know, Jesus is God and you throw that around a lot. Jesus is human. And we forget that it was a heresy in, in the 400s to think that Jesus was only God. Like yeah. it's a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. And it's like, to me, what I hear you saying is correct me if I'm interpreting this wrong, or if I'm just going on something here. So like prior to that baptism knew what life, how to, how that was just before being born from above until he himself was born from above by way of John born the Baptist. Again. Yeah. That is, I've never made that connection. That is so cool. Don't say that at church though. <laughs> right. Because they'd be like, well, he was 12 and they forgot him, you know, with all the, the priests and rabbis. And it's like, well, they're going to say, no, he's God. He right. always had the spirit. And I'm like, no, read Luke, read right. Luke. It says yep. it. So, um, we studied Luke at church, totally skipped over that part. I said, hold up. We need to talk about this. Like this was important. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 not important. They I, were always telling me to be quiet. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, if you ever want to move to San Diego and come hang out at what we're doing, I'd love that. We'll you know. start a church. Yeah. If we'll yeah. ever be able to actually really meet again, we'll see here uh, in I California. So. It's so. wild. Uh, yeah, it is. That, that is so, that is so cool. That yeah, dig into that this week. So that's my homework as a Bible study leader. I give people homework. Like that's the homework for the week. Like, just think about that. Sit in that. Read it again. It's in Luke, first few chapters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause cool. it, cause it, that's when the heavens open and spirit comes on the Jesus at baptism, implying that it wasn't there before that. That is so cool. Wow. And when it comes upon you, it's the same way. Yes. It literally happens the exact same way. It's like chains are broken. You feel like a dove has yes. landed on you. Yes. Sword. And that happened to me over water running over my hands. Not that first and time. That brings up something else that like it's people needn't then be scared <clears> of the <throat> trial in the desert that comes after that. After that, he yes. went to the desert for 40 oh. days. You know, and the devil, which actually I thought this was really cool. The, the actual translation is more of uh, the devil being more of like ego in a way, like, and it's this sort of like, so the de way that. Devaluing. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. or de wow. De-evolving. Yeah, yes. Yeah. De-evolving. It's, it's the, the, the <clears throat> lower self. It's the, the mm -hmm. other, uh, whatever it is in our psyche that is trying to, you know, steal, kill and destroy. Right. It's yeah. these things. I, and it's like, yeah, it. so good. And it's right? like people, like if any encouragement for, for listeners, like to not be fearful or surprised, like, you know, when Peter says, you know, don't be surprised when fiery trials come or whatever. It's like, we do get a little surprised. And that's why I say, uh, not that it's like a, a level of more or less, but people that are seeking, that are deconstructing, that are reevaluating faith, like to not be surprised, like you're probably a person who has way more to offer the faith than people who just check the box and go to worship and do the thing and write the tithe and have the nice Bible study. And, you know, like you probably have a lot more to contribute if you just stay in the pathway, even though it's hard and difficult and dismal, just continue yeah. to move one foot in front of the other and seek and search and you will find Jesus promises that knock the door Teresa, will be open. Yeah. Teresa know? of Avila, when she talks about the castles, the internal castles. The sixth castle, she just 
is talk, constantly saying how she's like, there are periods where she doesn't even know if God exists. Yeah. Hello, she's in the final ch- chapters of her path. Yes. That's how hard stuff will hit you, you know? Yes, yes. But so he'll always finish a good work that he started within you, right? That's right. And so so until completion, as it says in, in Rome, is it Romans that says that? So the work that he started within until completion, he'll continue the good, your good works, right? So you can't be afraid because it right. doesn't matter. Let's say you get it wrong today. Let's say you do something and you're like, that devalued me or devalued me or brought me to a lower energy field or source. Well, he's not going to stop. He's always coming and you're not going to stop because once you've had a taste or um, this love affair, you can't, you, right. and they refer to it as like a marriage in the Bible. And I always thought that was so creepy. I'm like, Oh, being married to God. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. That's creepy. And, uh, but when you fall in love, I mean, you know, like I'm married to this, like this is the yes. rest of my life. Like, even though I'll have days where I'm like, I can, you know, Oprah says this sometimes, like, Lord, don't teach me nothing today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have yeah. days like that. Yeah. And, and, but it's, it's that sort of discipline and practice of mm-hmm. continuing yeah. and to not Stay be discouraged. Yeah. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. But if people in that, to me, I took some years away from the word and I took some years to, cause I needed a, a recalibration. I need mm-hmm. a system recal, you know? And it, it sounds to me like you have a very connectedness to, to your spirit, to the spirit. And for me, I didn't, I, I've always been connected, but there was a, a time where that took the back burner. Experiential faith took the back burner to logos faith, you know, and understanding mm-hmm. that. And because yeah. of that, I read so much into the scriptures because I was obsessed with Calvinism and the reformers that Ooh, I had oh. to, yeah, I was major, majorly, uh, Tulip all the way, total depravity, wow. you know, like all that. Wow. You know? Okay. Limited atonement, you know, God on the frozen chosen, you know, all of that for, for a period of time. And uh, I needed a major break. Yeah. yeah. A clean break from the scriptures. And what what's, faith, what's so beautiful to me is that it's, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the Holy scriptures, not the other mm-hmm. way around. Right. And, and true. That's true. Because when we sometimes we, uh, you know, through my seeking in Eastern religion about clinging and attachments, I I clung and attached to an image of God that was the Bible. And it, mm-hmm. it I, I took that as God, right. Oh, Instead wow. of it be, you know, God. So you need to do a podcast on that. And, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I should do that. Yeah, I should write that down. I, yeah, because people cling to the image of Jesus in that way. Like, yeah. even in my Bible study, I have a hard time with some people who are like, I'll just think of the image of Jesus, and then I I feel better. I'm like, the white guy with the blue eyes? Or like, yeah. what's, your, what's it look like? Or they'll say things like, you know, I'm working towards being a saint. And I'm like, well, what does a saint look like? You know, like good, that. Good, like, good question. Yeah. Uh, so... For that could me, be a podcast. I, I think like it that. could be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely riff on that. Or, like I told, told the guest that I was recording with earlier, I'm gonna 
be more intentional about not just riffing all the time and actually get, <laughs> gather my thoughts. But uh, if you're familiar with the Enneagram at all, I'm an Enneagram seven. And so I'm the enthusiast and I just get enthusiastic about something and just kind of rant about it. That's and, good. Uh, it's a discipline for me to like formulate my thoughts. Cause even if I formulate the thoughts, the odds of me sticking to those formulated thoughts <laughs> is few and far between. Uh, That's good. But I had, I, I had to take a break from the Bible because it was the okay. image of God instead of it, it served as a yeah. sign. So, but what's amazing and why the spirit is alive and the word only people say the word's alive, only alive by way of the spirit that brings the illumination to it. And so mm -hmm. what came to me after taking some, a couple of years away from devoted reading, um, I, I started to be reminded of the words of Jesus at random times. Like I would be doing something or having a conversation with someone and I would find myself like interpreting, a, reinterpreting a parable to someone. And I'm like, yes. I don't remember. Like, Where's that come from? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. And the person was like deeply moved by this. And I'm like, oh, and this is just like, you know, Jesus greatest hits, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like Jesus riffing on that. Yeah. And, and so yeah. that drew me back to the Bible. And then I had to really start in the gospels because I tried to jump back into mm -hmm. Paul and I just wasn't ready for that. Because the Reformed tradition of Christianity, they worship Jesus, but they they really follow Paul. Paul is Paul is their yeah, guy. Yeah, Paul's their guy, man. But and that you know, was me. He was a he was a sinner, and not everything he says might be right. Like you have exactly. to you have to understand. I'm not going to say everything right all the time. Yeah. Jesus was the only one who was able to say everything right all the time. Yeah. But to go back to the reason why I say stay in scripture is because it will help you discern truth from fiction in the way that Jesus did it. So remember when he was being, you talked about being tested by the devil, all of the things that he used was from Deuteronomy. Yes. So he used those things to combat, you know, the, the thinking inside of the head that goes on that tries to devalue you. Mm -hmm. So if you do know your scripture, you do have a stronger foothold against something coming to take steal, kill. Yeah. Hey, sure. So, so that's the only reason why I say that just yeah. from, from learning from his example, um, that if you do know, you know, if you do know, it's better. It it's is. Better it, to know. Well, it, because there is words of life and those are the words of truth. And, and I believe that, you know, for any seeking person, um, Jesus the words of Jesus, like, you know, and here's my pastor side of me, like, they're not going to return void. Like, it is not going to return void. Like, when right. we have that deep, like, for me, it did not return void for me. It was planted deep in my heart. And whenever the moment came time for it to become alive, it returned in a beautiful, impactful way for me and everyone around me, you know. And it was That's only because I obsessed, I was obsessed with the Bible, man. Yeah. I no, obsessed. Dude. You know? Okay, same. But I, I, that's part of my love affair. That's what happened. Yeah, that began my love affair. Just yeah. becoming obsessed with the Bible. Like, what is it trying to tell us? Is this a, is this psychology? Is this this is science? Like, just anything and everything I could get my hands on that was Bible related, I was digesting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's really so good. we kind of had the same journey. Yeah, kind of, absolutely. In, a weird... in different ways. Yeah, yeah. So luckily, you were spared the uh, 
the reformed exploration, you know? So, uh, yeah, it It tries to catch me. It still does though. It's still to say I was spared. Some of those things still try to get at me sometimes. It's a constant work. Their influence, sadly, a lot of their influence is big. Yeah. Very big. People don't even realize how, uh, a lot of that is dominated in in Western Christianity, especially evangelicalism in a lot of ways. So, well, I, I'm going to wrap up the, the episode, but I just want to say thank you, Jessica, so yeah, much for carving out time on your Friday afternoon to to chat with me. And um, I love yeah. just having people on the, the podcast. And I, I'm, I'm so excited. We have a bunch of these that I'm doing, and I think people are really going to be able to resonate with your story and uh, I'm excited to to hear uh, all the feedback oh, okay, from good. it. And so, good. I hope thank you. Help. I hope it helps. Absolutely, yeah. it helps so much. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. for Absolutely. carving out time. So good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Are, are you? Is there anything anywhere that people like uh, if they want to? Do you do any blog writing or anything or any any creative work? No, I paint. I do woodworking. Um, I, I'm a bit like, like Muji used to do stained glass. Did you know that? I did not. Back in the day. Yeah. Could you imagine owning a stained glass? I do some stained glass. Really? Um, yeah, I don't sell. I just, I just raise my babies, you know, I love love on them. And, um, but so just where I would say is I did write down where I am now. Like the Psalms got, became important to me for some reason. Um, and writing lament, uh, lamentations where like, I'm just like mm. writing it all out. Like, Oh, I just feel like garbage about this. And just like, Lord, why can't you just be here right now instead of me seeking and, you know, doing those types of things. And don't worry, you're not going to scare God with whatever you have to say. Totally. You know, that, that will help anybody on this journey. It's a lonely journey. Yeah. Um, the, that podcast, the turning to the mystics, was really good for me because he does mention how lonely the journey gets and how, yeah. how, uh, cause you're going to outgrow the people who are giving you wisdom. Yep. Um, or they'll move away and that, or they'll outgrow you or, you know, yeah. something's going to happen. So you, it's that part is always going to be changing. So don't, don't be sad if it becomes lonely. And, um, but just, you know, rely on the father a little bit more, I guess that was, I guess that's what I would have liked to have heard during what was deconstruction. I didn't even know there was a word for it, but what was happening, happening to me. Mm. Yeah. It's really good. Really good. Beneficial. And, you know, we're scared for the death of whatever we're going to lose, but the, sometimes we just don't believe that the thing on the other side is better than what we have now and it's it's not true the thing on the other side is always better oh there's a part in nemo and the fish are like falling down the whale's mouth and he says um she said he he says to let go and the one fish says but how do you know something bad's not gonna happen and then she says you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love the I love that. I love that wisdom. I hey, I have a five year old and a six year old that's almost seven. So all of those movies and all those cartoons are profound. I love that. 
Yeah. I can't so sum good. it up any, any better than that. That's you don't, what a, what you a don't beautiful know. way. What a beautiful <laughs> way to end this. You don't know, but no, th- it, those it that is, go before though. us show us that there is a way there is beauty yeah. and, there is and they get out. Right. And then that yep. was the whole opening to where he found his son. So yeah, right. that was so good. I love that part. I love all it. Right. I love it. <laughs> I could talk all day. This is so fun. No kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like, you know, when Jesus would draw the fish in the sand and someone would come up to him and like draw a fish also, like, I feel like that's what's happening. Like, <laughs> you get it. You get it. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have to like word things in a weird way. Like I can just say what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yes. That's how yes. I feel. Like maybe we need some kind of like code word. For like people deconstructing, like, hey, are you uh, deconstructing? <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, like. yeah. There is like a sense that you get about people that you talk to that like, is there an in or not? You know, there's like a feeling yeah. that you kind of get. Yeah. So. yeah, 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 right. Are they Take open some finesse though. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I usually just say something really weird. And then if they're <laughs> like, oh, I get that. And, you know, if you say you're prophetic and they're like, oh, cool. Tell me more. Yeah. Okay. They might be deconstructing or yes. Um, not that I use being prophetic often. I, or, I don't. Or that they're open. They're open to, to more spiritual to more. things, yes. you know, yeah. like it's not as like cut and dry, you know? So, mm-hmm. so good. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And I yeah. will, um, you know, uh, definitely be in touch and let you know if anybody reaches out with any particular questions about the conversation and um, it'll be good. I love it. Thank you so much for being on. No problem. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. As always, we would love for you to subscribe, leave a review and share this channel with a friend. If you would like to financially support the Spiritual Nomad Project, visit thespiritualnomad.org slash give. To contact Luke, you can email him directly, luke at thespiritualnomad.org, or send a direct message on Instagram. Until next time, grace, peace, and love.